And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, your weekly roundup of all the latest Everton Football Club news from The Athletic. I'm Greg O'Keefe and, as usual, I'm joined by my fellow Everton correspondent, Paddy Boyland. Coming up today, a change is as good as a holiday, and this team certainly needs both. Have we got a keeper crisis on our hands? Gareth Southgate's snubs, might they be helpful? Are they fair? And Guardiola's City Cup Conquest, is it doable for Everton? Before we go on to that, afternoon Paddy, how are things? Good, thank you mate. Yeah, not, not too bad at all. Would have been better if Everton had pulled the result out of the bag. But obviously they didn't, so we kind of soldier on. Um, sometimes have to remind ourselves, I think, that Everton are still looking ahead to a, a cup quarterfinal and are still in with a fairly decent shot of Europe in one form or another. So it's not all doom and gloom. Hopefully we can <laughs> convey that over the course of the next 30 to 40 minutes or so. We'll certainly do our best. And uh, before we find out a bit more about what you've been up to, uh, I'll surely remind everyone, if I may, of the latest offer from The Athletic. Um, Right now, you can subscribe to Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and all the in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. Just this week, Paddy has had a really in-depth look at the under-23s and the under-18s. Um, there was obviously the small matter of an FA Cup clash yesterday when Tyler and Yango, a tall lad, stood out. Big-limbed, tall lad. Who do we know that is missing a player of that profile at the moment in the centre of the park? We'll talk about that later. And of course, as well, the fantastic interview from Paddy with Nikola Vlasic, a player that uh, you'll probably remember signed under the mixed Kuman era, now doing his business back in Russia. CSKA and a really, really interesting chat that Paddy had with him. I really do recommend that you read both. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. Well, Burnley became the latest struggling side to take three points at Goodison Park. Um, it always felt inevitable, didn't it, from when they scored? And it is beginning to feel like Groundhog Day against sides like that uh, uh, at uh, Goodison. Sorry, I should say, Paddy. I'm really sorry that you were <laughs> you were there for, you were there for us. Um, you know, it was just a bad day all around, uh, compounded by an injury to, to Jordan Pickford. Talk us through your, your feelings at the final whistle of that game. Um, it's a difficult one to unpick now Um, I've tried to put it to the back of my mind for the last few days but like you say I think that's a good summary Groundhog Day that's very much how it feels when you set foot in Goodison at the moment usually there's so much optimism about being the old lady and gearing up for big games with Everton in the hunt for Europe but right now it does feel as though whatever can go wrong does 
<laughs> and that it almost becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because Everton, as Everton start to lose games there, a bit of trepidation sets in mm. among the players, among Ancelotti and among us as, as journalists as well. Let's not forget, and obviously we don't influence things in any tangible shape or form, but, but like I say, a, a real sense of trepidation going to the match. A different Everton insofar as we saw Alex Awobi for the first time this season as a number 10 in the diamond system. I was really looking forward to seeing how that went because he's obviously being vocal on social media, talking about playing in his best position. When I spoke to him last season, he did say that he sees himself as a number 10 or somebody that plays from the left, yeah, slightly from the left, cutting inside on his right foot. So he was given an opportunity without with a Hammers and Sigurdsson to show what he was all about in his favoured position, if you, if you can call it that. That obviously got scrapped within half an hour because Everton had just been so bad. And they started all right, I think, for the first 10, 15 minutes. They carved out chances. They, they looked the better of the two teams and it started well. But the Burnley goal was repetition, I think, of problems that have started to set in against sides that press from the front. We, we, we know when Everton are forced to take the ball in, in tight areas under pressure, they are, are often guilty of surrendering possession too easily. Mm. And we saw that with Tom Davis for the for the Burnley goal. And then from there on in, it was poor. It was really, really poor. Burnley cut through at will and it's quite evident that things weren't working. So so Ancelotti changed it and changed it after about half an hour. Um but by then a lot of damage had been done and um you didn't ever really I don't know about you, but I didn't ever really expect Everton to score the three goals needed to come away and, and win that game no. once they went 2-0 down. And, and that's an issue. They, they don't look creative. They don't look like they're able to, to to manage the ball well enough in these matches where they're forced to dictate. And like we talk about Groundhog Day. I think it's Groundhog Day because I we end up writing the same sort of piece after every game at the moment at home. It, 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 it's, it's always along those lines. Everton, Everton need more. And that's on the players. That's on Ancelotti. And I think it'll also be on the, the likes of Marcel Brands over the summer. Absolutely. There's definitely a, a weakness in the squad and there's definitely room for improvement in terms of players who can unpick any defence. Yeah, I agree with you. Are the current supporting cast doing enough? Um, you'd have to say no. Without James Rodriguez, and we'll go into this a bit more, and obviously Sean of an important player, not creatively, but an important player to the way that, that the balance of the team works in Decore. We uh, we just never looked really. The goal was a good goal, but other than that, like you said, we didn't look like we were going to score the goals that we needed. We were quite shambolic at times. This rest after Saturday, I mean, it's crucial now, isn't it? Because they're fraying around the edges. What what we've got, aren't they? You're entirely right, and obviously, you you wrote something along those lines on the on the site this week. I totally agree. It's not just in the centre of midfield, but it's also slightly further further forward in the number ten position. Um, no Ducore in central midfield, no James Rodriguez and, and Gilfie Sigurdsson against Burnley uh, in number 10 role. And then further back, you, you you had issues as well. Obviously, Jordan Pickford getting injured and also not being available. So the squad has kind of unravelled because of injury. Mm. Um, there's a lot of quality on the sidelines, particularly when you look at people like um, Pickford and James, Sigurdsson, Ducore. That's three or four more or less guaranteed starters for Everton, you'd say, over, over the course of the season. And I think that the, the loss of James in particular is always a is always a big blow because there's such a reliance on him 
to create on the ball. So like you say, a feeling that the break will come at a good time after the City Cup game. Everton then don't play, if memory serves, until the 5th of April, a Monday night against Crystal Palace. So that's quite quite a nice long gap to see which players they can get back. Hamez will miss the Manchester City match. We're told, we, we were told by Ancelotti last week, but the hope is that he'll be back after that and the, the break will do him some good. Everton's medical staff will work with Jordan Pickford over the international break, so they'll try and nurse him back to full health. And we, we still don't really have a definitive time frame for Ducore, but it's it's not going to be immediately after the international break. So Yeah, exactly. There's an opportunity there to, to rest up. The guys that aren't on international break, it's an opportunity to rehabilitate. And I think we, we've started to to reach a little bit of a trough here, haven't we? Mm. The season's been peaks and troughs. We've hit a bit of a trough. And when that happens, you almost need to press pause a little bit and reset. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that break. I think it could do Everton some good. They need to arrest that negative momentum. Um, and hopefully... Ancelotti will have a couple of weeks on the training pitch to kind of drill in what he actually wants this team to do to to rectify some of those issues. Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. In the meantime, obviously, we have the the sideshow very much for Evertonians, I think almost you know unilaterally agree that um of international football and um today there's a reason why Abertonians are skeptical about England I think always have been and uh you know with with Pickford ruled out Southgate's England squad dropped earlier this afternoon recording this Thursday just about tea time and just the one Everton player there Dominic Calvert-Lewin no Michael Keane Given what we've discussed, it's probably actually welcome news for Everton, so no one's going to be too downhearted. But I think uh, you know, you and I, uh, are, you know, big admirers of Keane, and you know, uh, we sort of can empathise with him individually. And I think he can be considered particularly unlucky um, in this instance, especially the players he's selected in his place. Sometimes it just reminds me why I've got no time for international football. What, what do you make of it? 
<laughs> While you were talking about that, I was just thinking what I would prefer an Everton under-14s win at the weekend or or England to emerge triumphant during the international break. And I think, I think I'd be in the, the Everton under-14s camp there, to be honest. Um, never really been that taken to it. It's, it's always been club before country, and I don't think I'm the only one that, that kind of feels that way. Uh, and I, I think that's in part because of past history, even going back to like when I was growing up, Nick Barmby famously left after getting into the England squad, less said about him, the better. Um, and some of these omissions, which strike me as baffling and Gareth Southgate, Southgate's been a pretty regular observer at Goodison as we, as we, as we both know over the past mm-hmm. month or two, um, we led to believe he was running the rule over Calvert-Lewin, but also Pickford while he was fit and Ben Godfrey, Michael Keane, and Keane's been in and around there, that England squad for a while now. It's a little bit strange that he's been dropped this time around because I think he's, he's certainly he's been Everton's most consistent defender since last season. Mm. Um, good with and without the ball, decent in the air, some lovely passes to, to certainly unleash Calvert-Lewin over the top at times, um, and just a really regular, consistent performer. And these England squads, we're told, are meant to be selected on merit, on on the basis of who's in form and who's likely to make the biggest impact in those kind of ru- that run of fixtures. And does he deserve to miss out when somebody like Eric Dyer is in there? I'm not entirely sure. And like I say, I'm I'm not even coming at this from the point of view of being kind of really heavily invested in in the England side. I'm not. But um, what I do realise is that for somebody like Michael Keane, this would be a blow to to not be in the in the setup. Um, those players want the reward and the validation that comes with being selected by your country. And when you're missing out, I think, for other players that maybe aren't doing so well and aren't even being selected mm. by their own club teams, I think that that is a real disappointment. So um, I feel sorry for him. Uh, what you have to say is that that's one let Everton player we have to worry about potentially getting injured while playing for the national side. Um, and that's a positive thing, given what we've said about this growing burgeoning injury list so uh yeah it's a shame a shame for him um Pickford obviously injured so wouldn't have been considered anyway and only Dominic Calvert-Lewin there to to kind of worry ourselves about for the next couple of weeks and that is a worry isn't it I mean that's uh I'm sure he's not gonna uh well I'm almost certainly wouldn't be asked to play in, in three all three games but Everton don't really have an abundance of options in attack either so whilst you know we've not seen much of Josh King um, we need Calvert-Lewin fit and firing for the, the last tranche of the season as well. So I just don't think any Evertonians you know, are particularly <laughs> excited by these, what feel like, always feel like meaningless friendlies and uh, as much as you will be disappointed. And, and, you know, there's a shout that Ben Godfrey too uh, could be disappointed. But uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be too much sleep lost on the Blue Half and Merseyside. What might make us lose sleep, and I'm sorry to uh, <laughs> to be negative as I speak about this, but I've yeah, uh, maybe it's just Burnley fatigue. But obviously, hosting Guardiola's City FA Cup this Saturday tea time, it'll be me taking this one. And they have really been back to dominant selves this season, haven't they? After a relatively easy ride in the Champions League on Tuesday, there shouldn't really be too much impact from them on that tie. It all sounds pretty ominous, basically, but. <laughs> Am I being overly pessimistic? Could Everton spring a shock? Um, is there anything that we can learn from the unexpected defeat uh, by United? You know, sort of going to the Etihad and, and uh, springing one, getting three points? Or was that 
an anomaly and and do we just have to hope it's a, a special cup tie at Goodison, albeit a Goodison that hasn't uh, felt much like home lately? What, what are your thoughts about this game? It, it's quite interesting that Solskjaer has managed to find a way against Manchester City, particularly at the Etihad. Mm. He's found this kind of tactical blueprint for kind of overcoming Manchester City. It's not the first time they've gone there and got a result. And I'm almost certain it, it won't be the last he just seems to have stumbled across something that that works, and, and obviously they they rely on these kind of fast transitions into space and um, making the most of the fact that City's fullbacks venture forwards sometimes not even into wide positions, but sometimes into central positions as we've seen recently. If you're able to win the ball back against them relatively high up the pitch, and before those guys are back, people like Cancelo and Zinchenko, if you're able to feed the ball into that space then you're, um, let's not say your quid's in mm. because it's still difficult, but um, you, you, you're in yeah. with a better shout. Do Everton have those players? I mean, R- Richarlison can do that role slightly from the left. Um, I, I actually do believe that in the summer, they need to look at signing an out-and-out wide player because they'll almost certainly lose Theo Walcott at the end of his contract and they don't have many other what are considered to be kind of old-fashioned wingers who look to beat a man at pace and and um, and strike a goal. Um, with City, I think what makes them so dominant this season is the fact that a little bit like Chelsea, they've got two, maybe two and a half sides they could pick, and they're all pretty similar in terms of quality. You you're losing Bernardo Silva and putting in Il- Ilkay Gundogan. You you're losing. Raheem Sterling and putting in Riyad Mahrez and Mahrez has been in fantastic form um, Sergio Aguero or Gabriel Jesus up front even Phil Foden plays as a false nine they've got so many options and I think this season we, we've spoken a lot haven't we about how injuries are going to set in and you need to use the, the full extent of your squad they're better equipped than most I mean it depends what City Everton face I'm slightly contradicting myself there but I mean somebody like say a Sergio Aguero has not been figuring much, not done much recently. Gabriel Jesus has not been in the best vein of form in front of goal. It depends how seriously Guardiola will take this game. If if, mm. if it's De Bruyne and Foden and Gundogan and, and various others, then then of course, really tough ask. And it, it, it is, if we're being honest, as we've said before, the toughest, toughest draw Everton could have had at this stage. I don't even think home advantage really counts for them. Um, it may as well be at the Etihad. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it much at the moment, does it? In fact, you'd almost sooner it was at the Etihad the way we're playing. Like. Well, I'd, I'd ask you that question. Would you rather it was at the Etihad or Goodison? Because it, Everton's record at Goodison's terrible and the real way record is still pretty decent, all things considered. It's so counterintuitive to say it. And obviously, it would be completely different in normal times. But I genuinely do think I'd be more confident going into this if it was at the Etihad. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, with, it's ridiculous, surely. But it, with a kind of a... a a packed out Goodison, 40,000 supporters kind of on their feet cheering at 5.30 in the evening. I, I mean, exactly. it's a completely different yeah. environment and it's, that's tough for, for opposition players to to navigate. We we know that from from listening back to yeah. Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger talking about the impact of, yeah. of, a, of a sold out Goodison. Everton players are not going to have that on Saturday. And there is there is a chance. Let, let's not completely write write them off. There are two teams taken to the pitch, and either one of them can win the game. Uh, anything can happen over ninety minutes. Packed a lot of cliches <laughs> in there, and probably don't need any more. But um, there are areas that they can look at. That if they can maybe get enough crosses into Calvert Lewin, 
a bit of aerial dominance there. Isolate him against the John Stones or or his Inchenko, Cancelo. Um, I'd, I'd back him in those situations. Um, we know they're going to keep it tight, Everton, don't we? In terms of how they approach the game, it'll be kind of two banks of four or one bank of five and a bank of four. Exactly. Um, and then it's just going to be about whether they can carve out enough chances themselves to um, keep themselves competitive. Exactly. I just feel as if we, we it was just so recently that we we tried to talk ourselves into reasons why Everton could get something against City and uh, we're, we're royally and quite comfortably schooled, weren't we? So <laughs> it comes down yeah. to whether or not City value the cup, the FA Cup. And as you say, the problem is, even if he makes a few changes... You're changing. You're not weakening the team materially. They have such a such depth that those twenty-two players or whatever it is, maybe not like for like, perhaps quite with you know Aguero or Jesus, but it's not far off. Jesus is still an absolute top player. You know, Gundogan top player. <laughs> you know, if, and, and it's debatable if you know whether him or it, it, it's. Oh yeah, I just struggle to see a weak link in the way that you would have traditionally said, well, you know, a few changes here or there. However, you, as you made the point yet again, in your, your report or your piece rather from the Burnley game, we are better when we don't have the ball and we weren't atrocious against them in the, in the league game recently. No, we had, I wouldn't say spells where we threatened, but we had spells where we looked all right in the game. Um, I've seen other supposedly European focus sides struggle against City worse than we did. Um, I, I hope this is where the Ancelotti really proves his, you know, proves his onions and has a plan up his sleeve. But like you say, sometimes even the great, even the best, and he is amongst the best. Yeah, he got it wrong against Burnley. Um, and all right, he was quick to change it, but then he changed it, and it was still, as you said, it was still wrong. And <laughs> it was a bad day at the office. Everton have tended to follow bad days at the office with a good one not too long after. Um, so it would be massive to get through this tie, wouldn't it? Imagine how much it galvanised us going into that break and knowing there's the best team in the country is out of the competition. It would feel like anything's possible, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. I mean, City are the side to beat in the competition. It, it's unfortunate in one sense that Everton have got them in the quarter final. But if they find a way through that, um, I mean, it'll still be difficult, but you, you will be optimistic of uh, of the chances, really, wouldn't you? Um, it's it's tough. Let, let's be honest. It's, it's tough. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Well, luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
going back to that league game, I actually think that Everton did pretty well. And it was that they were undone, obviously, by a moment of, of real quality from Riyad Mahrez, who turned into a modern-day incarnation of Haryan Robbins for about <laughs> 15 minutes. And they uh, and they couldn't, Everton couldn't get near him. A sublime goal to kind of break what was, I mean, it wasn't the deadlock as such, but the stalemate. Um, and from there, it was it was obviously City's game. They'll, Everton will need a bit of luck. They, they'll need for City players to not do things like like that in the yeah. uh, in the game. And it, it's interesting you touch on Ancelotti there because I think there's a lot of focus on these players at the moment. I go on social media and it's Mason Holgate should be this or shouldn't be playing here. Mm. Alex Awobi was dreadful, X, Y, and Z. And I understand frustrations, but. I think we're guilty a little bit in some quarters of turning players into scapegoats. Um, and actually what I've seen, particularly at home in games, is what I consider to be collective failure. And I incorporate Ancelotti into that at times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. We're speaking about the Burnley setup. The fact he makes a substitution after half an hour when Everton are 2-0 down at home to Burnley is an admission that he's got it wrong in my yeah. eyes. He then rectifies it a little bit. Everton get a goal back and they're kind of pushing to to get the equaliser in and then push on further. And he makes another change, which I think is is slightly baffling and weird. And Tom Davis goes off for Josh King and Everton seed the, the midfield battle. Um, so he's another one. Angelotti, you look at and think, well, the onus is kind of on him. He's, he's rightly renowned as a top quality manager. Mm-hmm. He's been there, done it, worn the T-shirt, won all the trophies under the sun. But he's, he's been brought to Everton to progress the club and to get the team up the table, as he's done, into Europe, as he hopefully will do, but let's see, and also make progress in cup competitions. And if they've dealt a hand of Manchester City, he's got to find a way to beat Manchester City. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what he comes up with. I think we're pretty certain that Everton aren't going to go full throttle and open up against Manchester City. That would be kind of a, a kamikaze approach, if we're being honest. But um, it's going to be about Biden time looking for moments, a bit of quality maybe from Sigurdsson if he's back, a bit of quality from people like Calvert-Lewin, Luca Dean. Um, and uh, hopefully Everton do manage to find a way through. If they, like you say, let's put a positive spin on this. If they find a way, a way through, they're in the FA Cup semi-finals and last four, anything, absolutely anything could happen from there. Completely. Would you say, just just to touch on, on the back four again, um, you, you made the point uh, – in your piece, actually, and then I think subsequently when we were chatting about it and on Twitter, I've seen you you take this. Um, there's been, I would, I would, I would definitely say a bit of unfair criticism of Mason Holgate, um, who we know is a centre back and we know he's not an attacking fullback. He said that himself, um, and yeah, his his sort of limitations in that class here are badly exposed when when you when you need to be, you know taking the game to a side like Burnley. Um, so that game didn't suit him in that role, but uh, Coleman maybe will be considered fit to play. But if not, we've seen him shine more in the type of game we might have on Saturday when he's not expected to necessarily be bombing on all the time and spend half the game in, on the edge of the the uh, opposition penalty area. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think Mason Holgate, a little bit like Everton at the moment, is less effective the more of the ball he has. And what was so apparent from the main stand press box for me was that Burnley effectively just shut down Luca Dean's side and allowed Holgate to have as much possession as he wanted and wander forward to wherever he wanted because they were safe in the knowledge 
that he wouldn't hurt them. So I, th- I think in this kind of scenario, he's a little bit better against the Manchester City where he's able to, to go tight and mark and bring his defensive qualities to the fore. We know he's not a right-back by trade, he's a centre-back and he wants to play there ultimately. Mm. Um, I wonder if Ancelotti will actually go for Coleman in a, um, a little bit like the role we saw at Anfield where he, he man-marked Andy Robertson um, and looked to double up on those wingers and wide players of of City um, and man Mark. I, I wonder if he's got that up his sleeve. I was thinking of that, of the, the game against Liverpool. Um, you know, obviously would suggest City a bit of a different proposition for Liverpool at the moment. But generally, um, I wonder if that might be the approach, yeah, to say to Seamus, look, you know, you, you didn't start against Burnley. You've, you've not played much lately. Give us, a, give us a shift like you did at Anfield, um, which we know he's got in him. So... That could be one one way of doing it, couldn't it? It's good to have Seamus back. Whichever way you spin it, it's good to have Seamus back because if he if he does that man mark and roll, we know he's he's up to the job more often than not. Really good against Andy Robertson. I think they missed him in the sim in a similar role against Chelsea. And Alex Awobi was the one tasked with tracking Marcus Alonso. And that's where you saw how effective Coleman is in that position. Um, but even in games, like for example, it would have been great to have a fully fit Seamus against Burnley because I think he'd have just pushed on and he'd have committed opposition defenders with his, with his direct running and that would have opened up in turn more space for everybody else. Having Coleman back for his leadership, for, for those kind of elements we've spoken about, the flexibility I think is important in the long run and it might allow Holgate to go back to basics a little bit and if Angelotti wants to go with a three and then let's say, for example, Coleman and, and Dean like he did at Anfield, then he's got the option of doing so. Now you'd you'd feel so. Um, that that's something again. That that's something. I think that that's a potential for for Saturday, and that that's just a that's kind of an educated guess given what's worked in these kind of games recently. I I think I'd be quite happy with that. To be honest, it's an educated guess. I'd be quite pleased to see that. One one last issue that we are or position we are sweating on is goalkeeper. Isn't it? obviously as you said, no Pickford. He's out with that rib injury, not featuring for England either. And um, ahead of the press conference on Friday, we're still unsure exactly of Robin Olsen's uh, fitness uh, or otherwise to be involved, which leaves us the prospect of potentially um, João Virginia, who's obviously came on against Burnley, had a decent game, um, but it's a massive ask asking him to uh, to start that game on Saturday. I, I just. You know, I, I just I think that it's it's too much. It's too much for, for a young lad. Yeah. Uh, Robin Olsen, on the other hand, you know, he's got the experience. I like Olsen, what I see of him. So uh, I really hope, I'm sure we all do, that he's able to play. Yeah, absolutely. And me too. It, it, it's more more than anything. I think Jarvis Ginny has obviously got a lot of talent. Um, he's highly rated both at Everton, but also within the, with the Portugal setup. He's got a lot of Portugal under 21 caps. Um, but it's a tough ask. He, he was thrown in at the deep end off the bench against Burnley. It's an even tougher ask to to throw him into a, from the start of a um, of an FA Cup quarter final against the side that's comfortably the best in England, if we're being honest. Um, so let's hope Robin Olsen is fit. We'll get an update on that on Friday. I don't think he was too far away from figuring against Burnley, while. The club haven't given an, an explanation of sorts for why Olsen didn't feature. 
we do know he was back in training. Ancelotti mentioned that before the Burnley game and he'd mm-hmm. be assessed ahead of that match. Ancelotti also acknowledged that Olsen's been going through a tough time personally and that was another thing they needed to check on, the, the fact that, as many people will have seen, um, his house was burgled. His house near Altrincham in Greater Manchester was burgled um, shortly before the Chelsea game, I think. Um, so there, there are a few checks that need to be made on Robin Olsen. Is he in the right condition physically? Is he in the right condition mentally? Uh, if he passes those checks, then at the moment he's more experienced and, and should get the nod over Jar Virginia. And that's not to say Virginia can't go on to be a very good goalkeeper because I actually thought he did pretty well. When he came on against Burnley, there was one fumble, but that was kind of induced by Ben Godfrey and he everything else was was perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, that was... that's. That's, that didn't worry me so much because no. you're thrown on the, in the middle of a game which you weren't mentally prepared to be involved in perhaps you know you're, uh, you're, you're a young man anyway you're not used to playing behind those players that wasn't so much and, and then as you say we love Godfrey but he possibly sort of made that situation a bit worse by his, his, his movement right before it that's not an issue everything else he was asked to do he did well so it, perhaps I overstated it it wouldn't be the end of the world we've lost before kickoff but it would be a blow it would yeah. be a blow just in terms of the quality that City bring um, and, and the lack of experience but we shall see well um, we certainly hope that we're in much more optimistic and cheerful vein next week but we hope we haven't been too downbeat just uh, like we said earlier a good time for Everton to get this game out of the way for better or worse and then press pause, come back fresher and ready to go for the, the last stretch of what's been so far. It's been any everything this season, but it's usually beyond saying, so let's hope it is on Saturday as well. Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.